You are listening to the LifePoint Church Sermon of the Week. For more resources, visit us at lifepoint.cc. We're going to read this morning from 1 Corinthians 12. If you have your Bibles, you can open up there, 1 Corinthians 12. I want to share a message with you this morning entitled, In This Together. In This Together. We are in this walk called Christianity together, whether you like it or not. So (laughs) this is how I want to lay this out to you all. This morning, this is going to be very encouraging news to some hearts this morning. This is going to be like a breath of fresh air for some this morning that are alone, that feel forgotten, that feel isolated from the body of Christ, that feel small and insignificant, this message will be encouragement to you, strength to you. And I've been praying all week that the Lord would encounter you with this revelation of our interdependence and interconnectedness as the body of Christ. But for others this morning, this is going to be a message of correction. For some who have kind of stuck their heels on the ground and said, I don't need other people in my life, uh, who've said, who've drank the Kool-Aid culturally that we are uh, served in our current generation that says you can do it on your own, that you can somehow say yes to Jesus but say no to his body. You can say yes to the bridegroom but say no to the bride. Um, for some, this will be kind of like when your parents growing up, if you ever like were uh, constantly bickering with your sibling, your parents sometimes as a form of punishment would assign you to sit on the couch with your sibling uh, until you got it figured out. This is going to be like the Lord sitting somebody down uh, and saying, you're going to have to get along. You're going to have to figure out how to depend on other people, submit your, your heart to other people uh, in the body. And, uh, and so whether you like it or not, when you say yes to Jesus, you do say yes to his body. And, and the body is bigger than our church, just FY, just to make that very clear on the outside. The body of Christ is much bigger and much more beautiful and majestic than our church. But, the same token, you can't have just a theology of the body of Christ globally and not have any local expression through which you are experiencing the realities of that revelation. And so it's, it's both and. And so when we say yes to Jesus, we say yes to his ways of revealing himself on the earth. And in this moment in human history, uh, Jesus has chosen to reveal himself through a body of people, um, through a collective of people. And one of the most consistent analogies of that is describing us and our interconnectedness and our togetherness as uh, the body. So we'll read that this morning. Um, I believe what the Lord did during the week of prayer, in a, so many of you were able to join us Uh, different moments throughout the week. It was a beautiful week. Um, But at different moments, the Lord just began to to really open my eyes in greater ways to the togetherness that he's inviting us into as a church family here locally in our church. Um, The theme verse for this this week was Acts chapter 1, verse 14, where it describes these 120, this ragtag group of 120 believers that gathered in, the, in this upper room, and it said they actually, they, they live there, they, they live there together, waiting on the Lord, waiting for this promise of the Father that, that Jesus said would be poured out on them. They didn't really know what that meant, 
or when it would come, but they said they're going to wait. They're going to seek the Lord. And it says in verse 14, Acts chapter 1, that they were in one accord and they devoted themselves to prayer. And uh, for most of us as modern readers, as Western Christians, we quickly skip over the idea of being one, in one accord um, because we're all independent, right? Like we are, we're Americans. We're independent. We don't need anybody. And so um, we skip over the one accord part because it, there is a part, of, there is an aspect of self-sacrifice and dying to self that is required for us to submit ourselves one to another and come into this, this spiritual reality of being in one accord and being devoted to one, or being devoted to prayer. And so all week long, I really felt the Lord, kind of that unction in my spirit for us to pursue this this year. Um, that was confirmed this week. And uh, as I was home over the holidays, uh, home for both me and my wife is Fargo, North Dakota. You can consider it Southern Canada. It is the home of snow. It is the home of half of the population of the state of North Dakota. It is also the home of snow. Um, So that's Fargo. Many people have never been there, but it is a beautiful place and beautiful people. And uh, our stay was a little longer this year um, and so we, we had the honor and the privilege of connecting with some, some old friends, like longtime friends. And like the beauty and the rawness of the body of Christ was demonstrated to me. One evening, uh, my parents gathered some of these old friends, and specifically two families. And these two families uh, really lived out the gospel for me and my siblings and for my father, uh, as my mom's life kind of began to spiral out of control before she took her life, uh, these families were the embodiment of Jesus Christ. They were the demonstration of the good news of Jesus Christ uh, in the midst of crisis for me and my siblings. And then after my mom passed away, they, they fed us meals, they let us sleep on their couches, they uh, corrected us when we needed to be corrected, they loved us, they hugged us, they sat with us on the couch, they fed us, like I said, they fed us. Um, they're just, they were Jesus. And, um, and my dad that night, as we gathered, he, he is not a tearful man, he is not an emotional man, but he, he couldn't even get the words out expressing to the grandkids who were gathered around then, so my kids, kind of the next generation, speaking of the testimony of the Lord that was present there that night of the gift that it is to walk in fellowship with other believers. And, um, and far too often, too many sincere followers of Jesus don't get that opportunity, don't, don't, don't get that privilege of living life in connectedness, in togetherness with other believers. And so this morning is a grand invitation from the word himself, the word himself, uh, to our hearts of what it looks like to be in this together. So let's read this, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. This is Paul speaking a very fatherly, pastoral word to believers that he dearly loved. He, he, uh, prior to this letter, I mean, he gave himself for a year and a half in Corinth, ministering to these people. So many of these people he saw encounter Jesus. I mean, he made it clear that he didn't baptize very many of them in water, but he, he saw and knew so many of their stories. 
and he loved them, but they had fallen into dysfunction, they had fallen into division, they had fallen into um, the deceptions of, of egos and uh, false teachers and sexual morality, and the list goes on. So, so Corinth, in, in, in many ways, uh, had a lot of issues, but yet Paul grounds them here in the gospel. Let's read starting in verse 12, 1 Corinthians 12, verse 12. For just as the body is one, speaking of your physical body, and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many are one body, so it is with Christ. It goes both ways. The members are part of the body, and the body is made up of many members. That's the way it is with Christ. This is, Paul is saying, this is a really good way for us to picture the way the Lord works on the earth through his church, through his people. That there, there is this representation of the kingdom, this represent, representation of what God is like, and he is representing himself through a collective of individual people. And so this morning, I'm going to um, describe to you the two-for-one deal that comes with saying yes to Jesus. No one can come to Jesus for you. There's no mediator between God and man except for Jesus Christ himself. So every person in this place has to individually make a decision to follow Jesus, to say yes to Jesus. But when you do that, when you, say, when you surrender your life to Jesus and, and confess that there is no way to come before the Father except through him, you also then receive this baptism into a, a collective body bigger than yourself. And there's no separating yourself from that. There's no way around that. There's no opting out of that reality, of that mystery. It's a, it's a two-for-one package. He says, so it is with Christ. Just like your, your arm is part of your body, your body also has to claim the arm, so it is with us. As individuals surrender their lives to Christ, we're in this together. Jesus is the head you and I, together, we make up the body. We represent him on the earth. Let's keep reading verse 13. It says, for in one spirit, we were all baptized into one body. That's what I just described, this, this moment of being born again. At that moment, we are immersed into the body of Christ. Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, meaning not, it doesn't matter your pedigree or your background or your ethnic status or your socioeconomic status, um, you are baptized into the same family, into the same body, into one body in Christ. And all were made to drink of one spirit. We were made to drink of the same spirit, the spirit of God. I don't believe many times we are drinking from the same spirit. We aren't all drinking from the same well so often. But we were created as God's people, to drink from the same well. We were created to drink from the same spirit. And at moments, we are graced with glimmers of it, uh, glimpses of it, glimpses of this kind of unifying thread or theme that the Lord is speaking across the earth. But other times, you can tell that we're drinking from different wells when our brands of Christianity are really what take the day. Kind of uh, the... Uh, celebrity um, 
brand, branding of Christianity is really what steals the show. But sometimes the Lord gives us grace and there's a tenderizing in people's hearts and people are truly seeking the face of God, seeking him as the head. And, and you do begin to see this, this rhythmic thread of what the Lord is speaking to people and we are drinking of one spirit. But that is what we were made for. You can circle that. We are made to drink from one spirit. And that is going to be the catalyst in the days to come. That is going to be the catalyst for us for greater unity. It's to drink of one spirit, that he truly would be our source. He would be the well of living water that our souls thirst for and that then satisfy those thirsts. Let's keep reading. Verse 14. For the body does not consist of, of one member, but of many. He's, he's just stating the obvious. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would, make it, that would not make it any less a part of the body. He's speaking of the, the trap of comparison here. And this, this, the foolishness of questioning uh, the potter, the clay questioning the potter's uh, intent in his design. Verse 17, if the whole body were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? And if the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. If all were a single mem member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. He speaks obvious facts of the essence of the body being in its diverse sets of members. But in our current society and, and cultural uh, trends, we, we flip this on head and we put so much value in the functions uh, that we all play rather than in our identity in Christ. And I, I think that was beginning to happen here in Corinth 2,000 years ago as well. They were putting so much value in some of these very uh, maybe flashy gifts up front and charismatic personalities up front. And they were missing it. They were putting so much emphasis on certain functions within the body to the dishonor and the um, neglect of others. When the Lord's will for us and his best for us is to, yes, recognize diversity of functions, diversity of giftings, but never to the neglect of first valuing our identity in Christ and, and ultimately our honor under the headship of Jesus. All honor is placed in the head, Jesus Christ, not in our giftings and not in the unique roles that we play, So in this world, we're taught that our value comes from our function or from our unique combination of attributes. We're told that we have to be unique. You're special if you, if you check enough boxes of, of subsets of, of attributes. You're, you're even extra special then. Well, the kingdom is different. The fact is this, we are unique. That's just, that's just fact, that's reality. You are one of a kind. Way to go. But our uniqueness is not where we place our attention. 
That's just a matter of fact. Instead, our attention is on the head Jesus Christ and we are fully submitted to him and our identity and our, our sense of value comes from the fact that he has interwoven us and interconnectedness in this grand tapestry called the body of Christ. So our uniqueness is, is not something to be glorified. We don't have to put ourselves up on a pedestal and convince everybody of how unique we are. It's really just a matter of fact, just like your fingerprint is a matter of fact. It sure is the day. Instead, we, we revel in the, the humble, humbling honor that it is to be woven into the body of Christ. We celebrate our identity in him. We celebrate that we are in him. So I, I do pray over you. This is not the main thrust of my message this morning, but I do pray for a, a freedom from comparison this morning. This morning, your, your value comes in Jesus Christ, and I, I pray that you'd have a revelation of that for yourself. Let's keep reading verse 21, because this next passage kind of addresses more of what, what I felt like was urgent and, um, and needing correction in light of trends that are happening. But it says, the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Nor again, the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And on those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow the great, greater honor, and our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty. So we do treat aspects of our body differently. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Just as we ministered to Rosa, we suffer together, we rejoice together. I do believe that there is a level of individualism that has entered Christian culture over the last number of decades that is contrary to God's word. And he addresses that spirit of individualism. I don't know to what extent it was present in the church in Corinth, but he's definitely addressing it here. If you're the eye, you cannot say to the arm or to the hand that I have no need of you because you're, you're together whether you like it or not. Like you are a part of the same body. You have no power in yourself as the eye to separate yourself from the hand or the arm. It's just a matter of theological fact that you're a part of the same body. And so there has been this, this trend of individualism and, that has led to isolation. People trying to isolate themselves from the body of Christ. But, but it's an impossibility in Christ. Unless someone actually comes to the place where they, where they will vocally say, I deny the body of Christ, then I would question whether they, whether they truly are following Jesus. But for many, they don't come to that place where they say, I'm actually gonna deny the body of Christ. 
Many just through their actions live in a place isolated from the body. They, they, they live disconnected. But imagine your arm being disconnected from the body of Christ, just hanging on by a thread. Soon it would grow very unhealthy. Soon it would be a matter of time before surgery would be needed. Or, you know, the arm would have to be removed. In a very similar way, it is impossible to sustain this contempt for the body of Christ and a love for Jesus. Something has to give. We can't take the head without the body. Jesus really loves his body. He really does. The body is not his plan B. We're his plan A. The body, this collective, this this tapestry of interconnected, interdependent people, we are his plan A for revealing the love of God to humanity in this age. So our, I feel like our online world has, has painted this lie that you can have faith in Jesus without relationship with other believers. Like you can have a relationship with a bodiless Jesus. Like you want to take the head, but remove the body. And again, I'm not saying that individuals that are not in covenant relationship with other believers are not saved. Please hear me out. I am saying that we are extremely vulnerable to the enemy and deceived at a certain level if, that is our, if those are the actions flowing up out of us in our day-to-day life. For some, it does lead them down that path where they would actually outright say, I deny the body of Christ. And in that regard, I would question whether or not they are saved. But for many, we just need to, I believe, come to grips with the fact that we cannot have one without the other. We receive Jesus and we receive his way of revealing himself to a dying world. I've seen it time and time again over the last year and a half, the plague of loneliness. And the plague of loneliness that's ravaging a generation and that's impacting the church. Actually, a recent survey said to equal measure is the world. I believe is, in, is, a, is a result of drinking this uh, societal trend of individualism over an uh, understanding of our need for others and our need to be interconnected into the body of Christ. And so this morning, I'm going to minister. I believe the Lord wants to minister to hearts that are lonely. The Lord wants to connect you again into his body, not just in your mind, but it'd be a revelation in your heart. But isolation is a, it's a deceiving thing. And I do believe there's something the enemy is trying to do right now in human history to isolate people from the body of Christ. You know, the enemy is described as a roaring lion seeking for whom he can devour. And if if you've ever watched National Geographic or Planet Earth or any of those documentaries and you're watching the lion 
with the lioness technically go and pursue um, its prey. It waits until one of those those innocent little gazelles is away from the rest of the of the of the group, right? And once they're away from the rest of the group, I mean they are vulnerable, and it's it's just a matter of time before the pack of lions is able to pounce on that sweet little gazelle. And I believe that's one of the primary tactics happening right now. I'm not saying this is the great falling away, falling away that Matthew or that Jesus talks about Matthew 24, but I do believe that there is a a trend here happening of the enemy duping people, deceiving people into an isolation that's disconnecting them from the body, making them vulnerable to the enemy, vulnerable to attack. On top of that, isolation is is very deceiving in terms of our our true sense of spirituality. I've seen this trend as well play out over the last year and a half because of um, people naturally in light of what's happened over the last year and a half having to disconnect. Many people have fallen into uh, deception Sensing that they all of a sudden now in isolation, in individual pursuit of Jesus, they have stumbled upon the truth away from the body of Christ. And they've honestly backed themselves into this corner where they are the only one who has found the truth and everyone else is wrong. There is this deception that falls upon people in isolation where the reality of humbling ourselves in community and the rough edges of ourselves being revealed, it's never given a chance because they're never around people. Or the difficulties and the pains of being held accountable or having to actually demonstrate actions that align with what we say. You know, we can all write what we say we believe, but what we believe really does come out in the context of day-to-day life. And so right now we have a whole generation of people that can write out what they say they believe and they can put on a facade of what they say they believe, but is never given the opportunity for the fruit to be seen in the context of real day-to-day community. The true fruit of being a disciple is never actually able to be manifested or seen. And so this morning is a call for those who feel isolated, or disconnected, who feel vulnerable to the enemy, who need to be once again connected into the body of Christ in a new level, in a new way. Let's keep reading verse 27. It says this. Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. So it is both and. The individualism is, is, is not all bad. You have to come to grips individually of your need for Jesus. Your parents can't do it for you. I can't do it for you. doesn't matter uh, what church you came from or what pastor you sat on in the, under in the past. Only you can make a decision to follow Jesus. But at that moment of yes, you are into the body of Christ. It's a two for one deal. Verse 28. And God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, 
then miracles, then gifts of healing, helping, administering in various kinds of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Obviously the answers to those are, are no. Do all work miracles? Do all possess gifts of healing? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret but with earnestly or but earnestly desire the higher gifts? He's speaking there to the beautiful diversity and the, the diversity that is fact within the body of Christ. He's also speaking very directly to error within the Corinthian church for which they were um, questioning the authority of the apostles. They were questioning the role of the prophets, capital P, but also the prophetic voice of the, uh, the early church and the teacher. So Paul was setting things right, that there is a proper order, that this body is built with a, a structure and the bone structure of this body is the apostles and the prophets and the teachers. And within that, there are members that function in different giftings. Some are more directly edifying to the church than others. And so he does say, earnestly desire the higher gifts. Their focus had gotten off. Their, they had started to put their focus on some gifts that were worn as a badge of honor. And that is not the way of the kingdom. The way of love, the way of Jesus to desire, is to desire the edification of others in whatever way he feels fit. So I do imagine a day that we would gather on a, on a weekend and we would all come and say, Lord, use me today. Use me to build up your church. Help me to edify other people. That our ears would be attuned to say, Lord, how do you want to speak through me today? How do you want to use me in the life of somebody else to build up your body? That's what I'm praying for. That's what I'm contending for. This has been the LifePoint Church Sermon of the Week. For more resources, visit us at lifepoint.cc.